Well, good morning, Vineyard family. It's always a, oh, thank you for the response. It's such a joy to worship together in person and online family. Uh, you're welcome too. We're glad you're here. I want to start with a story. So quite a few years ago, I overheard one of my sons say, oh, to hell with this. I'm like, I grabbed my bar of soap. No, <laughs> I wanted to. <laughs> and I got in his face and I said, we don't use words like that in this family. And he said, but mom, my football coach told me that hell is a biblical cuss word. You have to think about that. <laughs> you mean like the word hell is found in the Bible? Okay, he was right on that, but not as a swear word, okay? It's found most often in, actually in the mouth of Jesus, at least a dozen times. And I thought, okay, um, let's, let's look there very quickly just to start today, okay? Mark 9, this is Jesus talking. And he said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Whoa, <laughs> like, that's pretty graphic, right? And pretty serious warning here from Jesus. Unquenchable fire, you know, undying maggots. You know, in other sections of scripture, he describes uh, hell as outer darkness or the weeping and gnashing of teeth or the tearing apart of limbs. Yeah, it's all fairly serious. But hey, I don't want this day to be a downer. Oh, we'll come back to this text later, okay? And maybe you're like, I thought this was a series on heaven. Yes, it is about heaven. But in conclusion, if we're going to talk about heaven now and forever, we need to talk about the other reality, which is hell now and forever, okay? All right, so we're gonna address that today because the scripture is clear. There is an afterlife, all right? I mean, that is actually the signature message of Jesus' literal resurrection in that he rose from the dead, all right? There is life after this life. And we are given that awesome choice to receive that eternal life now and forever. And I use the word choice there because that's going to be a pretty important word today that we want to encourage, because it's the voice of Jesus, choose life. Choose life now and forever, because it's going to be a pretty important aspect of determining our eternal destiny and destination. Now, if we judge whether or not hell is real based on what we hear in conversation or we see, you know, on uh, media, I'd say, you know, most People believe in hell, and they're regularly sending people there. Go to H-E double hockey sticks, right? <laughs> but what exactly is hell? As the word is used in the Bible, uh, as what, what exactly is hell? And a lot of us already have some ideas of what we think that is, but I'm going to say, wait a minute. Okay, hold steady, all right? The reality of hell is 
pretty important that we do determine, what do I believe about this? Because it affects not only how we live now, but how we'll live forever. And secondly, it affects how we interact with other people, how we love other people. Now, I know this is a very hot topic, pun intended, okay? <laughs> it's a heavy topic. You know, I'm so grateful we are a church who says, come Holy Spirit, spirit of truth. I can't even believe, begin to understand this word apart from you opening my heart, opening my eyes, you know, bringing the revelation of what is the meaning. And so we welcome the Holy Spirit. But, you know, the, the, the scripture alone can be extremely confusing. And there are literally hundreds of Bible translations, okay? Most of them are trustworthy, but it makes a difference because the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Greek, and some Aramaic. So all of it's translated for us into English, and that makes a difference. And it makes it very challenging sometimes to understand, okay, what does this really mean? You know, in addition, we have the whole challenge of many of us were raised in faith traditions that have embedded beliefs in us, you know, naturally. And then we have cultural uh, Again, depictions of hell, you know, going all the way back to Dante's, you know, Inferno and Milton's Paradise Lost. And, you know, there's a lot of depictions. And so we, we form ideas. Now, I would say, in general, hell is believed to be an eternal torture chamber of fire forever. And that is expressly for those who have chosen to reject Jesus in this life. So one of our questions today is that actually what Jesus teaches. Is it what Paul and Peter and John and James, is that, is that it? You know, again, it's important to know because we're talking about eternal destinies. You know, for me, and this is a very, very tough topic emotionally. You know, I've been a pastor for over 40 years I've preached a lot of funerals. I've sat by the bedside of people who were dying. I've tried to you know, comfort those who have lost loved ones, sometimes through very unexpected circumstances or tragic circumstances. And I want you to know when there is uncertainty about eternal destiny, there is incredible tension. There's incredible fear. And when there is certainty, there's incredible peace. Okay, and, and so I know I've been very grateful as our church over the past 12 years has grown in this just amazing grace <laughs> of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? And just his awesome finished work on the cross that has just in encouraged us to see every person as made in his image, having so much worth, so much value, wanting for all of them to hear not the bad news, but the good news of how fantastic he is. And it's caused, you know, that whole trajectory has caused me to, you know, look, really look at people differently. I mean, I, you know, I've stood in Shanghai, China. I've looked at the millions of Chinese, and my heart is they're so precious, made in the image of God. I want them to know about eternal life now and forever. You know, I've stood in Tanzania, Africa, same, same thing. I'm like, Lord, 
You made each of these precious people in your image. Or how about here in America? A couple weeks ago, I was at a jazz concert for one of my grandchildren in Iowa City. And I looked at those amazing musicians and watched their talent and their joy. I'm like, I, I want them so beautifully made in God's image to know. Choose life. Choose life now. I, I feel so strongly. I want all. I want all to choose Jesus. I want all to choose eternal life now. And I believe, you know, that is the heart of Jesus. The scripture tells us he's not willing that any should perish, right? He's not willing. And this is an amazing thing. In order to make sure that happens, you know, he defeated sin. He defeated Satan. He, he defeated death. <laughs> but he offers us the choice Will we choose eternal life now and forever? Or will we choose eternal loss now and forever? And it's a serious choice. You know, Jesus has given us the tremendous gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, one of the names of the Holy Spirit, he is the down payment of the life to come. <laughs> we get to taste heaven now. We get to be empowered to live in this new life now and forever. Okay, our approach here uh, as a vineyard pastoral team, and we do all of this as a team, as we've put this series together, we've prayed, we've read, we've listened, we've dialogued. And I'm telling you, there's a very sober pastoral concern that we truly lead you by the power of the Holy Spirit into truth. Okay, do you know James tells us, those of you who are called and teach and preach, you're going to receive a greater judgment or a greater condemnation. That's serious. Okay, so like, <laughs> I don't take this lightly at all. And none of our pastors do because we're gonna be held accountable if we lead people in a false path. As a matter of fact, some of the most intense passages about hell and the afterlife are directed mostly in Peter and Jude towards false teachers and what God has to say about that and how serious it is to lead people astray and the repercussions that will be suffered because of that. All right. Through all this, I've discovered once again there is so much mystery, so much mystery, so much we don't know. But what about what we do know? Sometimes we have to stop worrying about, well, what about? Well, what about? Well, what about? Well, what do we, what do we know? Okay? And that's what we're going to look at today. So will you pray with me as we invite the Holy Spirit as our teacher? Because I'll tell you, I need him. Okay. Come, Holy Spirit. Our desire today is to exalt Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. And to that end, I give you this message that you breathe your heart of truth, that you open all of our minds, our eyes. We trust you as our teacher. May we leave here today 
more committed than ever to choosing the eternal life that Jesus offers us now. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, to begin, I'm going to put my teacher hat on. And I'm actually going to walk us through a series of definitions and descriptions. And the reason this is so important, as I said, many of us are uh, really, we've been conditioned by our faith tradition, if we were raised in a faith, or the cultural traditions. And that has affected how we view hell. Like I take myself, I was raised in a faith uh, tradition that was very, very serious about Christian life. For that, I'm thankful. But you uh, had to make a true repentance, a true turning. It was no as simple, well, pray this prayer and then go live like you want for 50-some years and see you in heaven. No. (laughs) It was a true repentance, a turning from sin. And then you had to commit and live out a life of total holiness and obedience. And unfortunately, as, you know, as wonderful as that is, the whole motivation was what? To escape the fiery flames of hell. Because the faith in which I was raised believed in an eternal conscious torment in regards to their description of hell. Now, what did that make? Did that just make me just want to say yes? No, made me want to run a hundred some miles away here to the University of Illinois, <laughs> okay? Because the motivation was to escape hell, not to receive Jesus Christ and all that he's done and the life he offers us and to be empowered by the spirit to live an abundant life now. So there was none of that. Now I would say that that's where many of you were raised, if you were raised in a faith, because that's the most popular view, you know, turn or burn, you know, flee now or fry forever. And that's, of course, the usually the most, uh, even the cartoons depict it that way, but it's, it has a historical basis. The most famous uh, sermon ever preached, I think, historically in the United States was from Jonathan Edwards, which was sinners in the hands of an angry God. And he depicted, you can get a copy of this online, by the way, you know, people hanging over the fires of hell. And that that was their whole response then to choosing, well, I guess you'd say choosing life (laughs) now and forever. All right, there's no question. If you are what we call Orthodox Christians, which we are here at the Vineyard, we believe in doctrine, we believe in historical truth, it's very difficult to say hell is not real because the Bible is full of lots of, (laughs) whether they use the word hell or not, Paul actually never uses the word hell, but he uses very serious words like perish, destruction, judgment, okay? So the whole picture, no, the Bible's very clear that our choice matters. Our choice matters now. And we do believe the Bible is the inspired word of God now. That said, I have to say, the Christian view of hell has changed quite a bit over, you know, maybe the last 20, 30 years. It's it's difficult to trace, but we have resourced a book on that resource page, which by the way, access that resource page, if nothing else, to listen to our podcasts. Because like even today in 30 minutes, I'm not going to be able 
to cover, even begin to cover the tension, the mystery, the questions. And we've done that for each message. So, but I've also referenced on that resource page a book called Four Views of Hell. It's very, very well written. If you have a Hoopla app from the library, you can download it to listen to it audibly or to read the e-version so you don't even have to buy it. But what I thought was interesting, this book was first published in 1997, and I first read it maybe about 12 years ago. But when I went to pull up the copy, this time I went, whoa, still the same title, Four, four Views of Hell. Uh, but four completely different authors and, and four adjusted views. That's how quickly things have changed just in the last, you know, 10 years or so. And what I want to say, because we recommend this book, is it's very well written. All four authors are 100% committed to scripture, but the way they use the scripture varies. All four authors are 100% committed to Jesus is the only way. In other words, they're not pluralists. That's very common now in our culture. You know, pluralism says all paths lead to heaven or the afterlife. But no, all four of these authors, but they do a very respectful job, a very thorough job of examining uh, all, uh, all the different texts and all the different aspects like, where is hell? What's it like? Who goes there? How long does it last? So it's, it's, you know, covers a lot of information. And I'm just going to give you a very brief overview today, just so you understand the complexity of this topic, okay? That, you know, one of the worst things to do when you're forming your views about hell is to take sound bites, like a little sound bite out of scripture, like, oh, I found this scripture. Oh, wait, we have to look at the whole Bible, okay? And so, all right. First most popular view I've already uh, described is eternal conscious torment. And that means, again, for those who choose to reject Jesus in this life, they will suffer the painful reality of fiery torment forever. And fire is the most prevalent death. Uh, description of hell um, all throughout the Bible. Okay, so that would be horrible, right? If any of you have ever suffered even a minor burn. Okay, second. A second view of hell, which has really gained in popularity. Again, these are all Christian authors, Christian beliefs, Christian. A second view of hell is called universalism. And maybe some of you read the book about 10 years ago from Rob Bell, Love Wins. And it was that book that kind of burst on the scene, this whole idea that, of universalism that, you know, God is a God of love and he's going to win. And that means ultimately everyone will receive eternal life and live in heavenly bliss. Now, there's all kinds of iterations of this on a spectrum. There's hopeful universalists. There's dogmatic universalists. And for the most part, they all believe that hell has been, and it was created for, but now it will only be populated by the devil and his angels. Some of, uh, aspects of this belief, actually ultimate reconciliation, believe that actually the devil and his angels will ultimately be reconciled. So 
just in case you're wondering, because you're all very, very quiet, <laughs> we at the Vineyard are not universalists. Okay. <laughs> I want to be a universalist. I want to believe that everybody, everybody will say yes to Jesus. But see, universalists believe in a second chance. So even if you, you die here and you've totally rejected Jesus, that you still get another chance after you die. And again, scripturally, I don't see a second chance offered. Now, when you read the book, Four Views of Hell, you know, he will differ with my opinion. Okay, third view, purgatory. If you were raised Catholic, this is a, a word you might know. Although what's interesting is there's now a Protestant view of purgatory. And it, again, has various um, descriptions. Uh, some say those who are believers, when they die, still have to go to purgatory because they're, they're kind of bad Christians. So they need to be cleaned up. They need to be purged of their sin. Okay, other people believe it's kind of a form of universalism that you die, but then you go to a type of purgatory where you're uh, like in remedial education and you learn like the truth and then you finally receive Christ. So uh, purgatory has different expressions today. It's not just a Catholic uh, belief, but it does you know, it does uh, embrace a second chance, so to speak, that your earthly death here is not the defining point. Okay, then a fourth option that has really grown and it's been accepted by some very, very solid biblical scholars, it's called annihilationism. And, or second death is another term for this. It has a variety of expressions, basically teaches those who choose to reject Jesus in this life will cease to exist at some point and will not endure eternal conscious torment. The difference is though, their justice will be done. So what, how long this is before the second death takes place and they are not you know, a, a human being anymore? Again, there's so much we don't know. This view says there will be eternal loss. Again, Based on what? For those who choose eternal life now, Jesus in heaven forever. <laughs> For those who choose to reject Jesus, eternal loss. Okay. Okay, you're all waiting for me to say, well, what do we believe? You weren't? Okay, then I won't tell you. <laughs> Come on, guys, <laughs> give me a little grace here. This is a tough topic. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, let me say this. Our view of hell is first and foremost based on our view of the triune gospel. That before we announce any bad news, we better have a thorough understanding of the good news. <laughs> right? And that's what I love about what's happened to us as a church. When you think about the triune gospel and how important each aspect is in our view of ultimate destiny, think of the father. What do we know about the father? He's a father of love. He's a father of mercy. He's not willing any should perish. He gave his only son. Oh, but he is a God of justice. 
he is going to make all things right. And I'm glad because there's a lot of wrong in this world. (laughs) Okay. And he is a God of holiness. And he is a God who honors choice. He honors our choice. He's not going to force any of us. Okay? Triune gospel, Jesus. I mean, Jesus is... <laughs> what have we learned about Jesus? Bigger, better, more beautiful than we ever imagined. I mean, we have such good news to tell people. We have such good news to say, he has taken your sin. He has defeated Satan. He has defeated death. And now you can live as a saint. Now, sinner no more. Filled with his spirit. Empowered to reflect his life, his love. That's part of our mission, right? That we get to reflect who he is accurately. And he isn't a God shouting, turn or burn. He is a God who says, come, come. All of you, come. And then last but not least, in the triune gospel, we have the Holy Spirit, who have already said, that's the down payment of the life to come. He's also the empowering spirit right now, poured out on the day of Pentecost to do what? Announce the good news and announce it accurately so people know the choice is clear. Choose, choose eternal life now. You see, we believe there is eternal life for those who choose to receive Jesus now. And we believe there is eternal loss for those who choose to reject Jesus now. Hell is real. Lots of questions. I don't have all the answers. I know the one who does, and sometimes he's not talking. So let's go with what he does tell us, okay? Let's look now at what Jesus has to say, and uh, we're going to find this in Revelation, last book of the Bible. It's always good to know what is the final word about all of this. Revelation 22, um, because... Jesus is going to give us a good picture. What happens to those who choose to receive him and those who choose to reject him? This is what I want you to know is kind of the summary about who Jesus is and his message about this. It's always inclusion before exclusion, okay? Inclusion, all are included, all are welcome, all are invited, Doesn't matter how good you've been. Doesn't matter how bad you've been. Doesn't matter your ethnicity. Doesn't matter any of that. It doesn't matter. He said all. Inclusion before exclusion. Okay? But the choice is ours. Some choose life and choose to receive him in a heavenly eternity. Some choose loss. You know, they want to live life on their own terms. They reject him and endure The hellish repercussions. Yeah, they do. Okay, well, let's read what he says. Again, this is last book of the Bible, last chapter in the Bible. And I'm starting with Revelation 22, 12. Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Okay, I'm going to stop there. We need to be clear. Jesus is coming back. We believe in the literal return of the Lord Jesus Christ to this earth, which is going to be recreated as a new heaven and new earth. He is coming back, but 
Did you know you're going to have a life review? <laughs> yeah, you are. He's going to give, we're going to have to give account. He's going to give recompense. Now, thankfully, a couple of weeks ago, Mike did such an amazing job as he explained our view of judgment. You see, when the kingdom of God broke through in an unexpected way, also we saw the judgment of God broke through in an unexpected way in that God took our judgment. Jesus took our sin. Jesus took our death. And now we can actually have eternal life now and forever. Now, so when the judgment day comes, for those of us who've received that, we don't have to fear, well, I'm going to be cast, you know, where there's weeping and gnashing in teeth or, you know, into the unquenchable fire. No, we will be held account for how we live. And that's the whole rewards. We talk about that actually on the podcast that we did that week. Okay, now I'm gonna pick back up. Revelation 22:13. 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He is God, you are not. And neither am I, as much as I wanna be. As much as I want what I feel and, you know, what I, I want to be in control. So many today are like, well, what, who is he to tell us? Well, he is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning. He is the end, folks. So you can believe it or not, but he has ultimate say. He gets to define life, afterlife. Okay, let's go on. Verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Wow. Okay, let me help us with this. Wash their robes, that's a metaphor, if you will, describing what? The amazing gift that Jesus has given us as we've been cleansed by his powerful blood. We've been cleansed from all sin. We now are robed inside and out in his robe of righteousness. <laughs> and that happens when we choose to trust him. That happens when we choose to follow him as Lord and Savior. Yes, you know, it's not, again, just as simple, well, I believe in Jesus. You know, if we believe in Jesus, we, we better be living as he teaches us to live, right? If you believe, let's be living. Okay. All right, good. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life. We get to choose oh, to receive him, tree of life, not death, right? And enter the city. That's the stunning, gorgeous city that's described all throughout Revelation that is coming here to earth. And we'll be able to live in that if we've washed our robes, if we've made a choice to accept Jesus, okay? Now, he's going to say, outside, verse 15, still in the same text, outside, are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. So folks, there's a separation. Okay, outside, there is a separation. And he's not talking about Fido. When he uses the word dogs, 
Generally, that means like the malicious hypocrites or the false teachers. But then included there are things that are very relevant to many of us, sexual immorality, falsehoods. Do you know the Greek word sorcerer there intimates drug use? Jesus is just saying these are people who have chosen to reject his way, to, to make that choice. And this is the lifestyle of selfish sin that they are engaged in. Let's go on. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Do you hear the invitation? Let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Can I say, can you stop quenching your thirst with things that are a poor substitute? Okay? Water of life. That's Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the bread of life. He is the author of life. He's the giver of life. (laughs) I think he has a message for us. And it's an abundant life. Choose life now. With this, he just says, come. Three times, come, come. Now, he doesn't tell us much, though, about the destination of those who are outside. So let's turn back just one chapter to Revelation 21. And I'm going to put, pick up on verse 6 here. He's going to repeat some of the same things. He said to me, it is done. Post six finished. <laughs> I... I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God. He will be my son. But, here we go. As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, here we go, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Not good. Di, are you saying that's forever? I don't know. Are you saying that's literal fire? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't sound good. I don't know. I know he's a God of justice and mercy. I know mercy triumphs over justice. So I don't know how all that's going to play out, but I think it's pretty clear there is a distinction. Again, this is because people have chosen. You know, you're choosing to engage in a life of faithlessness, immorality, worshiping other things, living a life of uh, falsehood. You know what? But I like it. He emphasizes Come, he said, I will be your God. You will be my son or daughter. Come, drink of the water of life. It's without price. It's amazing, right? Okay. What about that text back in Mark? You know, where we said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to that unquenchable fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Well, let's just say this. Jesus is very serious about sin, okay? And the consequences of sin are horrific now 
and forever. So he's being very clear. So is he asking us back here, well, mutilate your body. That, that's better, you know, cut off your, uh, your foot or pluck out your eye. Like, no. You see, he hasn't yet gone to the cross. But what's going to happen on that cross? He's going to be mutilated for you. He's going to be mutilated for me. His body will be mutilated as he takes on sin and Satan and death, and he will rise victorious. <laughs> and he will give us shoes. We can choose life now. If not, we can choose to suffer eternal loss. Do I know what that looks like? No. He gives a lot of descriptions. Well, I thought it'd be interesting. You know, last week, Kirsten showed a video of a near-death experience based on the book, Imagine Heaven. And this is one of the other books that we've recommended throughout this series. And the thing about uh, this book is very well done, very well researched. It's outstanding. And it also includes near-death experiences of people who were on their way to hell. And so I thought it'd be interesting to watch the story of a man. His name is Howard uh, Storm. He was a very accomplished art professor at Northern Kentucky University. I think he was chairman of the department. He uh, was a total atheist. He had no belief in God whatsoever. So He's in Paris, he's touring the museums with his students, and his stomach like erupts, and they rush him to a Paris hospital. He has like five hours to live, but there's no surgeon available. So he holds on for 10 hours, and then he realizes he's, he's going. And it was a very tough time, but he's like, well, I've, now it's the end. It's just death, because he didn't believe, even in an afterlife. And he tells his wife goodbye, and, and very, very difficult, and he dies. Except he suddenly finds himself standing up, able to walk, and he thought, oh, I, I must be on my way to surgery. So he turns to talk to his wife, and, and she's there with her head and her, uh, in her hands, and he starts talking to her, and she, no response, no response. Then he starts screaming and swearing at her. <laughs> and, but of course, she doesn't hear him. He's dead. So he then hears a voice, Howard, Howard. And he's like, oh, oh, they're calling me. So he starts walking out of the hospital room down a corridor. It's kind of gray. It's kind of murky. And he's like, well, who, who are you? And they go, oh, we know all about you. And he's like, oh, okay, well, I, this is strange. So they, they take him, and we're going to pick up there as he's being led by these different people, whoever they are, down a dark corridor. Now, as I asked them questions like, where are we going, how much further, things like that, they started to become more rude and say things to me like, shut up, don't ask questions, you'll find out, you don't need to know, keep moving, keep moving, move it, you know, like that, and I'm like, getting pretty intimidated, that becomes fear, that becomes terror, and what they were doing was just playing with me, toying with me. Um, and at first it was pushing, kicking, pulling, hitting. And then that became biting and tearing with their fingernails and hands. And they were taking pieces of me. And there was a lot of laughter, a lot of very foul language. 
And then they became more invasive. And in, that, and in that place, I heard a voice, which I identify as my voice, except that it did not come out of my throat, off my lips. But I do feel, I, it's strange, but I feel like it came out of my chest. This voice said, pray to God. And I thought, I don't believe in God. I don't pray. The voice said, pray to God. And I thought, I don't even know how to pray. I couldn't pray if I wanted to pray. The voice said, pray to God. But you, so, you couldn't find one at that Well, point? I, I found the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, and then I found later, I found, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of death, I'll fear no evil. Um, stuff like that. And uh, our Father who art in heaven. I remember like these phrases out of prayers. And I'm stuck to mutter this stuff and the people around me absolutely can't bear it. Now, this made me want to pray more because for the first time I was able to hit back at them. The prayers were like clobbering them. This is the horrible part, um, that the people that had met me were my kindred spirit. They were my brothers and sisters in spirit. What do you mean by that? They denied God, they lived for themselves, and their lives were about manipulation and control of other people. I had not been a good husband to my wife. I had not been the father to my kids because I was busy being important. I was doing stuff, making myself into somebody in that this memory comes of myself as a little boy sitting in a Sunday school classroom singing, Jesus loves me. Why would he care? He must hate me. I'm so sorry. And I thought, enough of this. I'm done. I don't have anything else. Jesus, please save me. And when I said that, I saw a light, tiny little speck of light, and it very rapidly got very bright and came over me. And I saw out of the light, hands and arms emerge out of this impossibly beautiful white light. And these hands and arms came out and they reached down and they touched me. And when they touched me, um, in that light, I could see me and all the gore, and I was roadkill, all that gore began to just dissolve and I became whole. And much more significantly to me than was the physical healing was that I was experiencing a love that is beyond, far beyond words. If, if I, I've never been able to articulate it again. When those arms went on me and healed me, they went behind my back and he picked me up as if it was no effort on his part. He just gently picked me up and held me up against him real tight, up against his chest. And I knew, I don't, I don't know how I knew, but I knew that he loved me very much just the way I was. Later in this experience, we did a life review and he made perfectly clear, clear what he did not like. And I can safely say despised, hated, detested about my, what I had done with my life, but he always loved me. Ooh. Yeah, obviously he came back to life and I don't know why everybody doesn't get that opportunity. I don't know. It's another part of the mystery. But I think his message was very clear, just the love of Jesus and the seriousness of how we're living life now, that it makes a difference. And, you know, we believe there is eternal life for those who choose to receive Jesus now. And we do believe there's eternal loss for those who choose to reject Jesus now. Inclusion before exclusion. We want to say, choose life. So, Father, we thank you. You love us so much. And thank you for just revealing your love, the, 
incredible mercy of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we worship you, just continue to work in our hearts, each one of us, to choose life.